Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. It's a Wednesday edition of Pro Football Talk Live. What we originally decided to do today was a one-hour program and re-air it as we did yesterday. And I woke up this morning, Chris, and I thought, you know, part of the process of healing for everyone, including us, is to try in the second hour to find big-picture topics. Like, I don't think anybody's prepared to take up the question of Jaguars versus Titans on Saturday night. We're not going to get granular with any of the games, but we're going to try to pivot to some other topics that are relevant as the train begins to move. Again, I think it's part of just all of us trying to move forward. We're going to try to do it, and we're going to be available on the air if there are developments with Tamar Hamlin, and we will immediately pivot to those if there are. But, you know, it's and I apologize to you, Chris, for dumping it on you as you walk into the studio. Like, hey, I want to try to do a second hour today. So, uh, again, it's all apologies good. In it's advance. all good. I'm, I'm like, we're going to give it a try. I'd prefer it that way. You know, I, that's where, you know, I, I said even on text message last night, I was up for a second hour. I was like, I don't know. Is there news to talk about? You know, that's the, that was the, the question. Is there enough things to hit on in the, around the league? But right. I, I tend to work like that, and I would like to push forward. And, yeah, let's, let's, let's dabble in some other subjects, and we'll continue to think about DeMar Hamlin at well, the forefront of our brain. We'll take a break and we'll talk about some other topics in the NFL right after this. Hour two on a Wednesday edition of Pro Football Talk Live, presented by Google Pixel. Learn more at googlestore.com. We spent the first hour of the program with all relevant updates regarding the DeMar Hamlin situation. We decided to stay on air for the second hour. In the event that there is news, we will pivot to it immediately. We're going to try, as a matter of just 
starting the train rolling again to discuss other topics. We don't know that it's right. We don't know that it's wrong. We just kind of have come to the consensus that we should try. And Chris, I appreciate your flexibility because you were the one last night saying we should try. And I was saying no. And then this morning I woke up. It's like, yeah, maybe we should try. And Chris finds out after he gets to the studio and pours his giant cup of coffee. We're going to go ahead and do two hours after all. <laughs> yeah, It's all good. It is. And I'm glad we are going to push forward here a little bit and dabble some other subjects. I mean, we know we know what the main story is in the league and we know where you know, our mind and, and heart is at right now. It is with the Bills and DeMar Hamlin and his family, 100%. But, uh, again, like I said, you know, earlier, and, and I think, you know, you're kind of the same way. It's just, hey, it's uh, I, I would feel better pushing forward, taking my mind off the subject a little bit, you know, and and that, that would help, you know, as far as the healing process and kind of get the train rolling again around the NFL and, and get some positive vibes or momentum going here a little bit. Well, in theory, you would think that until you realize that the first topic to discuss, and we've opted for oh, no. bigger picture conversations. <laughs> and look, week 18 is still happening. The NFL has said no changes to week 18. We know what happens after week 18. The coaching carousel starts to spin. Three vacancies currently exist and the name that has emerged very quickly as the a number one name on the market other than sean payton who requires compensation to the new orleans saints and the dolphins were ready to give up a first round pick to get him last year we were both told biggest story of the offseason that got the least amount of national traction for some reason this time around it's payton and it's jim harbaugh harbaugh who left Ann Arbor to interview with the Vikings last year thinking he was getting the job and ready to take the job. Harbaugh, back in play, Chris. Your favorite of the Harbaugh brothers. <laughs> and I say that, sorry, we've told the story uh, in the past about Chris's uh, ill-fated interview with Jim Harbaugh back when Chris was a Bleacher Report. But I reported on Sunday the Broncos have reached out to express interest in talking to him. There are multiple reports. The Carolina Panthers specifically owner David Tepper, already has spoken to Harbaugh about the vacancy in Carolina. That's two of the three. Yeah. And the only team that hasn't been linked to him yet is the team he played for, right. the Indianapolis Colts. And you have to wonder at some point, will Jim Irsay uh, make a phone call to a guy who also happens to be, just based on four seasons with the team, in the ring of honor? In Indianapolis, yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm I'm not shocked. You know, again, you know, Jim Harbaugh can can say what he wants and all that. But even last week when we were talking about turning around the Broncos, you know, we brought up Jim Harbaugh's name. Then heard from too many people in the know around the league. To despite what he might say to the media, the football is still the NFL is still at the forefront of his brain, and and you know, rightly so. I don't like him for sure. Uh, but I do respect him as a coach and what he has done, you know, at, at all his stops. You know, I don't think you can disregard that. It is, you know, a, he sets forth a culture there that does, you know, bring you to, to winning. And I think that's the number one thing you're talking about. And when we're talking about, you know, teams like Denver who, you know, are really kind of mixed up right now and in a tough spot. And the Colts, I think you can kind of throw into that same conversation. And the Panthers, 
you know, even though Steve Wilkes has done a great job of writing the ship, I think we can kind of throw them in that area of a team that, you know, has just got a lot of issues and doesn't know where to go and hasn't, you know, ha- has been dealing with things the last few years. He's the guy that can kind of come in and get everything on the right page. So I get that. And he's, you know, tried and true and proven as compared to, you know, the young and up-and-comer first-time offensive mind. And I think that's where he's safe and, and probably appeals to a lot of owners here. Well, and the Broncos have gone through three straight head coaches who have never before been head coaches. Right. Vance Joseph to Vic Fangio to Nathaniel Hackett, and it didn't work. And we know from experience, Chris, when a team fires a coach, it looks for, in one or more respects, the exact opposite. Whether it's background, whether it's personality, whatever it is, a coach who is in some way 180 degrees different from the coach they just had. And Jim Harbaugh would be the exact opposite of Nathaniel Hackett in many ways. And look, is is Jim Harbaugh eccentric? Yes. Is he quirky? Yes. Is he a goofball? Yes. Is he a weirdo? Yes. Is he an effective football coach? Abso-freaking-lutely. And... Miles Simmons and I were talking about this on Monday, which seems like it was 10 years ago, frankly, the Monday morning show that we did because so much has changed since then. In every field, the people who are successful, the most successful, most of them are jerks. Most of them are weirdos. Most of them are eccentric. Most of them are wired in a way different from everyone else. That's one of the things that allows them kind of rise above the noise so Jim Harbaugh's way Jim Harbaugh's intensity Jim Harbaugh's personality that rubs a lot of people the wrong way his willingness to say whatever to whoever whenever his short fuse that causes him to cut off an interview because God forbid Chris you ask him a real question that he may not want to answer right yes that's the thing that, that makes him the guy who can walk into the middle of that locker room and command everyone's attention. Yeah, I, there, there's, there's, there's no question about it. Uh, his teams are tough. They're physical. They're detailed, usually. Now, they lack imagination and creativity. That's been something that you can kind of say throughout his, his career, wherever he's gone that way. But he kind of plays and coaches an old-school brand of football, and that's perfectly fine. And, and again, I, I understand the appeal there. And you're right about what you're saying. You know, it doesn't matter what, you know, business it is, especially in the NFL. Yeah, there's a certain jerk quality you need as a player or a coach to kind of be successful. You know, and if you don't have that, you know, it, it's, it is tough at times. And he's got that for sure. And it's, it's a good thing. I'm not even trying to be funny there. You know, so I, I understand that from all facets. And he's going to get things going in the right way. The only thing you have to worry about is him in those things you talked about. You know, things got very weird at the end in San Francisco. And you could say that they were weird for a few years because of the after effects of Jim Harbaugh. And, you know, that that's where. Or you have to worry about, oh, wait, 
it's three or four years, and he kind of has got us going in the right direction, but there's a shinier, new, better job who maybe does have the franchise quarterback, and now he's going to leave you to go to that one. Those are the two things you have to worry about with Jim Harbaugh. Other than that, uh, there's no negatives. I mean, he, he's going to get the football team playing tough, playing hard, and, and like you're talking about, bring everything together the right way. Well, and I will say this. And I mean no disrespect to Trent Balky, who's currently the GM of the Jaguars, and that team is on the cusp of the playoffs. Yeah. But Balky had a lot of responsibility for failing to strike and create and maintain the right relationship with Jim Harbaugh. Because let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. John Harbaugh is every bit as intense as Jim Harbaugh. But they have found a way since 2008 in Baltimore to coexist with John Harbaugh. They have found a way to stick handle around his intensity. And many of us in the media have been on the wrong side of that intensity from time to time. I may end up on it for simply saying it just now, right? But it's true. John and Jim are exactly alike. John does a better job of keeping it under wraps, except when you kick out the plug to the lights just after halftime in the Superdome, in the Super Bowl when he's playing his brother, trying to beat his brother in the ultimate brother-on-brother contest, winning an NFL championship, which is one of the reasons why Jim wants to come back. John's got his ring, and Jim wants his. And I hear from all these folks who say, he's already said he's not going back to the NFL. Yeah, but did you pay attention to the rest of the things he said? Like, winning the Super Bowl is the ultimate Ultimate prize in football? And I'll just go ahead and settle for a national championship. We'll we'll just do that for, you know, instead. Come on, come on. And when the buyout's only $3 million... When that's couch cushion money for the Walmart conglomerate that now owns the Broncos or David Tepper, who owns the Panthers, the two richest owners in all of football, that $3 is nothing. That buyout would be a lot higher if he truly was committed to never leaving Michigan. Or there wouldn't be a buyout at all. He wouldn't be able to leave. It would be ironclad, and he'd be fine with it. Right, so, right. I, hey, that kind of tells I, uh, you it all. I, I, th- I think that he is ready. And just like you said, there are drawbacks. And my original point was you need to have a general manager who will work with him, who will from time to time deal with Jim Harbaugh being a little over the time. I mean, look, it's a stressful job. You're going to vent your frustrations from time to time. You don't have the same filter that other people have. You're used to being, you know, it's a competitive sport. You get in people's faces. Some people like that. I I know from practicing law that that mentality that draws someone into a courtroom where you're constantly fighting with other lawyers, they can never turn that off ever, ever, ever with anyone they ever deal with in their entire lives. Their colleagues, their family members, their friends, they always got to argue about something. It's like, dude, can't you turn it off? Well, no, I can't. And that's how Jim Harbaugh is. So you got to have people around him to understand that and realize the common goal here is to win. Yeah. And we'll deal with a personality that may be a little difficult if this guy's going to help us win. And for the Broncos, it's been seven straight years without a playoff appearance since winning a Super Bowl, the longest drought ever. And for the Panthers, David Tepper bought this boat, and he doesn't know how to steer it. He needs somebody to help him steer it. Yeah, I, I know. You're right. And needs somebody that, that's that's – shown that he can steer it in a, in a good way already and has, you know, a proven track record. And that's where Jim Harbaugh, no doubt, he has that. Uh, you know, I, I, uh, we'll see. I, I, I really think there's, there's not a lot of, like, negatives when you talk about this. There's all positives. To me, it's all about the personal stuff you talked about. 
Yeah, John, like you talked about, John's a hard ass too. We know that. But John has a way of, you know, being a little more worldly and communicating with people and I think can like adjust to a different room than Jim is just Jim all the time. And it's always, I'm good with a capital G and I'm, I'm a psycho with a capital P. Like it's, it's all the time. So John can turn that off and be like, oh, I'm with this group of people. I'm with the king and queen. Okay, I can be the right way and be appropriate. And then, oh, wait, I'm, you know, having fun, kicking, you know, drinking a beer and kicking back. He, he can do that. Jim, that's, he's a different animal. And to me, that's the only risk with him in that department. And, yes, you know, you said it right. You got to be tough. You got to be cutthroat and all that. The things that I don't necessarily love about Jim Harbaugh through the years, too, is just, you know, I've heard stories about, you know, what he did to the coaches and how that unfolded when he left the 49ers and things like that. It was ugly. He didn't do it professionally, right? And that's where, that's to me the, the negative or the what you have to worry about. It's kind of what you were talking about. Yeah, you're going to deal with a weird, different personality and – you know, the tide could turn in a second to where year three, he's turned everybody off in the organization and they don't like working for him anymore and he's looking for a new job. After that, hey, listen, I know he's going to get the team together. They're going to be tough, detailed, play physical football. They're going to tackle. They're going to block. And they're going to be a real pain in the butt and have the appropriate game plan. That's, that's all. I don't worry about that. It's the other stuff that, you well, know, obviously I, I question. Uh, let me just say this. There yeah. were layers and levels of dysfunction in the 49ers organization. Yeah, you're and right. I'm not defending right. him, Harbaugh. Yeah, I'm I not defending you. him. All I'm saying is you got a guy who is coaching your team up. Mm -hmm. he, he inherits a 6-10 and 10 team and takes him to the brink of the Super Bowl. The next year he takes them to the Super Bowl. The yeah. next year he takes them close to the Super Bowl. And that's when it got weird. The yeah. Browns tried to trade for him. And the 49ers were willing to do it. They were ready to move on from this guy because he and Balky couldn't get along. And I think at some level, ownership was like, what the hell do we do here? They needed to. And I think you have to understand that you have a coach who's highly successful. There are going to be some rough edges. You're going to have to find a way to deal with it or you're going to lose that coach. And then you can have a guy who gets along with everyone and loses. What would you rather have? A guy that everybody likes, who's six and eleven, or a guy that rubs a lot of people the wrong way and goes thirteen and four. That's right. And I know what the fan bases would want because they don't have to deal with the guy every day. But that that's part of the reality. So I I I I really think that Vikings ownership was interested in him last year. Right. But the style was too close to the most recent coach of the Vikings right? for the liking of the players. Yeah. And the players wanted a personality that would be the exact opposite. Like you talked about, right. Of the former Vikings coach, Mike Zimmer. So they hired Kevin O'Connell and it's worked so far. But I think ownership was very intrigued by how quickly Jim Harbaugh turned around the 49ers. How could you not be? Yeah. How could you not be intrigued by that? Sure. And look at what he's done in Michigan. And yeah, yeah. there's some issues that – with situational management of the game and whatnot. And there were some questions the other night about use of timeouts. And, you know, and as you said, the offense isn't all that creative, but it's effective. And he's been successful everywhere he's been. Yes, he has. And there are plenty of NFL teams that aren't successful right now, and they're trying to get successful. And you can't overhaul your roster in one offseason, but you can overhaul your coach. And, I, hey, I don't think the Broncos' job concerns him. I think, he, I think he believes he can get the most out of Russell Wilson. The only sure. thing that I believe, from what I've heard, he's concerned about is a bad owner 
and a bad GM. Because he's definitely experienced. And I'm not saying Trent Baalke's a bad GM. It was a bad relationship. Yeah, I got you. He needs to have a good relationship with the GM, mm-hmm. and he needs to have an owner that, that uh, isn't dysfunctional. And uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. But yeah. I, I – I, now, now, look, no. does that mean somebody's going to make him an offer? I don't know. But I think if he gets an offer, he's probably going to come back. Yeah. Uh, I and mean, they're definitely going to do their due diligence and research it. Because he's, you, you can't deny that he's one of the top, you know, prospects out there as far as being a head coach. Him and Sean Payton certainly are. And, yeah, you don't have to give a first-round pick uh, to Sean Payton. And the other thing, Mike, to what you talked about with the Broncos or even the Panthers or even the Colts, because usually this, you know, this is usually why teams or coaches get fired from these type of teams. Yeah, there's no there's quarterback problem. Okay, the Broncos, we know they got a quarterback. It's been a problem because he hasn't played nearly – up to the capabilities we've seen him play in the past. But the thing I love about John, uh, Jim Harbaugh is he ain't going to make it all about the quarterback. That, that's that's the other beauty about him, too. He's going to go, so what? Oh, what? Russell Wilson? Oh, well, well wait, I'm not, I'm not throwing the ball 45 times a game. I'm Jim Harbaugh. No, he's going to go, wait, wait, Russell, I saw you like be in the Super Bowl conversation every year, handing the ball off, playing play action, playing defense like you did in Seattle. How about we get back to that and we win, and then everybody stops, you know, crapping on you all the time and saying how bad you are. And Russell will be like, hey, sure, you know, let's ride. I, I mean, so he's not going to make it about only the quarterback. He's going to get the team to play the right way. And, and, you know, to your point with the 49ers, you know, Alex Smith was really nothing until what? Jim Harbaugh came, got the team going the right way. Then we go, oh, Alex Smith actually does look pretty good. So that that is another benefit I look at, you know, as, as far as hiring him as a head coach as well. And Harbaugh coached the 49ers 2012. Yeah. Russell Wilson's rookie season. 2013, when the Seahawks went to the Super Bowl, beating the 49ers in the NFC Championship game. And then 2014, saw him twice before it ended for Jim Harbaugh. So he's, he's got a unique perspective on Russell Wilson. First three years of Russell Wilson in the NFL, Jim Harbaugh had to prepare to face him multiple times. And uh, it, makes it makes it for an interesting potential arrangement in Denver if it's Denver or Carolina if it's Carolina. And maybe a little tug of war with no salary cap for coaches. Maybe a little... The two richest ownership groups in the NFL Ooh. trying to get the same guy. <laughs> right. That 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 could be very interesting. And yeah. then you throw in whoever else may have a vacancy, and I think Harbaugh would potentially be at the top of the list. So here's what we're going to do. We're continuing to try to look at bigger picture issues in the NFL. We're monitoring the DeMar Hamlin situation. If there is any development, we will pivot to it immediately. When we come back, what we're going to try to do, and we know this is inevitable, we're not gonna we're not gonna say so-and-so should be fired, or this person should be fired. What we're going to do is try to identify the hot spots to watch. We're going to focus on the AFC first. As Week 18 arrives, once it ends, there will be vacancies, and we're just going to look at the ones that stand out to us and whether or not ownership will decide to make a change. We're not going to say whether they should. That's not for us to say, not for us to determine, but just the spots we're watching. We'll do that with the AFC first. We'll do it with the NFC after. We'll start with the AFC right after this. Wednesday edition of PFT Live. We made the decision to stay on the air for a second hour. Number one, so we could update you. If there is any news on the status of DeMar Hamlin, there has been nothing since the show came on the air some 80 minutes ago. 
And number two, to begin the process of pivoting toward other topics in the NFL, given that week 18 will happen as scheduled for now. That's what the NFL announced yesterday. Two games on Saturday, the remainder of the games on Sunday, current approach that the NFL is following. So we decided to kind of restart the engine by looking at bigger picture issues. We began with the future of Jim Harbaugh, who seems to be ready to leave Michigan and return to the NFL. Chris, what I'm going to do now is go through the AFC's four divisions. We did this with quarterback a few weeks ago. Which teams are going to be looking for quarterbacks in the offseason or should be or could be? We're now going to look division by division at the spots where there could be coach or GM turnover because we know it happens every year, goes with the territory. It's part of what they've, they've signed up for when they become coaches. They know there's a chance that whether it's right or wrong, they're going to be asked to leave prematurely and get their buyout. Um, and also, you never know what an owner is going to do. Dysfunctional teams do dysfunctional things, and sometimes owners make bad decisions and they give up on coaches and GMs too quickly. So let's start with the AFC East. And, and the first one that stands out to me is the Jets because they had such a great start to the season, and then it fell apart. Seven and nine so far. I mean, you tell the Jets you're going to be seven and nine through 16 games back in week one. When you look at that schedule they had, and I guess that's, we've exceeded expectations. But the problem is they exceeded them by so far early in the year. They set a bar that they failed to live up to. And then you've got this whole tension of how they handled Zach Wilson during the season and what their plan is for Zach Wilson moving forward. It's very conducive to dysfunction. Fight between the GM and the head coach, potentially. Pointing fingers. It's his fault. No, it's his fault. And then you have an owner who has presided over plenty of dysfunctional football operations in the past 15 years. I, it's just one that I'm keeping an eye on, and I hope Woody Johnson doesn't do it. I think he should stay the course, but it's definitely one I'm keeping an eye on. Uh, I, I understand the concern, and I think it's also the Jets, and we like always kind of, you know, when it comes to these kind of things, we're always a little worried for some of the, you know, the reasons you stated. But uh, I'm with you in your original statement there. Like, like yes, you know, they better not fire Robert Sala. Are you kidding me? I mean, it's, everything's going in the right direction. Okay. Yeah, the quarterback issue, I don't agree with how he handled that. I don't. I'm not going to lie to you. You know that. I've been very you know, real about that from the start. Other than that, I like everything else the guy has done for the organization, let alone I think him and Joe Douglas got something going on the right way there. They have put together the right players with the defense, so there's obviously great communication and vision there. Uh, the offense, hey, yeah, there's questions about Michael LaFleur. I understand that. Let's also not forget that their offensive line is, you know, hurt and beat to crap too. There's issues there. Uh, but, man, uh, you, you said it right. I don't think anybody ex expected them to be where they were or where, you know, where they are or where they were. It's all positive. It just has, yes, a little bit of a bad taste in your mouth because it fell apart here at the end of the season. And I know that's tough to swallow, but man, I think in the big picture of things, this was a big step for the Jets, and it's all going in the right direction. I want to mention Miami briefly, just because Stephen Ross, the owner of the team, yeah. has done some unpredictable things uh -huh. in the past. And, and, and you know, there, his attitude with Jim Harbaugh has been, hey, if he's going to come back to the NFL, I mean, I want him to stay at Michigan because Stephen Ross, or Stephen Ross has been a major benefactor of 
Michigan in various ways over the years. But if he's going to leave Michigan, I want him. I mean, that was the guy that that was first linked to Harbaugh, Stephen Ross. Remember when they went and interviewed Harbaugh while they still had a head yeah. coach? Mm-hmm. How awkward that was. That happened some 12 years ago. So uh, I just, with Stephen Ross, I can't rule out anything. And he could look at this and say, I'm just not satisfied where the pro- with the program is. And I don't like how Tua Tonga-Vailoa was handled. And I don't know who he would place blame on. But I just kind of keep an eye on that because – They've been so damn unpredictable. I think in recent that's years, fair, Mike. All because of Ross. I I think a lot of people in football are looking at the same thing. Uh, I would I think it would be batshit crazy. Let me just tell you that there's no other way to say it. But yeah, I think there's a lot of people that around the NFL. I've I've text messaged with a few this week, like who have kind of brought it up. Like, wait, if they lost to the Jets this week, would he do something crazy there? You know, so I, I think that's 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 fair to at least bring that up with with their history. I remember the Jets were the team he tried to purchase. It was he and Woody Johnson. He's a New York guy. There's an extra amount of pride in beating the Jets. And the flip side, if you lose to the Jets, and if that's how you end a season and end up eight and nine with all of the Tua stuff, I, I just wonder what he would do. And some people said, hey, maybe he's going to try to do Sean Payton and Tom Brady a year later. I mean, everybody knows he's interested. He got in trouble for it. Lost a first-round pick over it. So would he try to do it? I don't know. Would Sean Payton and Tom Brady want to do it? I don't know. But it's just something. We saw how crazy last year was. It's something to pay attention to. Last one from the division. I don't think anything's going to happen in New England at the top. But I do expect some significant overhaul to the coaching staff. Don't you? How could there not be? I just, you know, if you even for Bill Belichick, I think it'd be career suicide for him to go in the next year with the current, you know, regime. And if that doesn't work good, like I, we're already hearing people a little angry up in the New England area. If he went and did that again, and then the offense didn't look good again, and Mac Jones didn't look like he did his rookie year again, uh, that that to me is just a recipe for you're just inviting people to to want you to be fired. So, yes, I'm still one, Mike, and I'm not going to back off what I said a few weeks ago. I just I think it's only a matter of time. We're going to hear about Billy O'Brien going to the New England Patriots as soon as the season's over, and I think he'll be, I think he'll be the next offensive coordinator for the, the Patriots. Hey, I, I tell you what, Bill O'Brien's a guy that maybe some of these teams is going to have head coaching well, vacancies you should take a look at as well, well frankly. I, I, I don't disagree with that. I, to me, I don't understand. That's another topic in itself, but, like, I don't understand why he wouldn't be. I mean, you talk about the things we just talked about. The guy went to the playoffs like every year with like, no, I can't even remember who at quarterback until Deshaun Watson got there. Oh, wait, who the hell was the quarterback that year they went to the playoffs? Oh, wait, who the hell was the quarterback that year they went to the playoffs? I mean, he's... TJ Yates won a playoff. Ex- exactly. Was that, was that, I mean, he should get a new job just for that. That should be at the top of the resume. I won a playoff game with TJ Yates. Uh, you're that hired was before O'Brien. I know. Oh, that wasn't before O'Brien. Damn it! That messed up my rant. There. That was Kubiak. Oh, it was Kubiak. Damn it! You're really <laughs> messing up my rant. <laughs> but either way, no, he still did some of that. We know that. And yeah, I like. I don't understand why guys like him, our colleague Jason Garrett, a little bit. And here's the other one that I'll really throw out there, hardcore. It's Frank Reich. I don't understand why Frank Reich, four different quarterbacks. In the playoffs every year, basically, one of those years with Jacoby Brissett, it was also the Adam Vinatieri, I miss a field goal because I'm done and I'm 74 years old. Like, 
That, that to me is another one where I'd go, why is Frank Reich's name not thrown out into the conversation a little bit more as a guy that we're talking about? Not the young guy, a little tried and true, battle-tested, been there. And there were some things that were messed up in the cult in Indianapolis, and they still overcame that. So uh, he's another one. Sorry for that rant. Free advice. I would watch what I say about Adam Vinatieri. There's a video of him pumping iron on social media, like basically saying, is this what 50 is supposed to look like? The guy is jacked. I don't he doubt it. come out of retirement <laughs> and play defensive line right now. So watch what you say. Okay, I will. 74. Sorry, Close. Adam Vinatieri. Sorry. Closer, closer to 74 than 24, but but still. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's move to the AFC North. And yeah. this one's going to be simple because the only potential hotspot to me is Cleveland. And I don't think anything's going to happen there because Deshaun Watson has spoken in very glowing public terms about Kevin Stefanski. There was a time during the season where I'm thinking, could you? And again, this is factoring in Jimmy Haslam doing Jimmy Haslam things over the course of the past decade. We've come to expect that he'll do something rash, that he'll be impatient. But. It's worked enough since Deshaun Watson has come back that I think it would be beyond stupid to move on from Kevin Stefanski and not give him a full year with Deshaun Watson. I would agree with that, too. Agreed. I, you know, again, we don't know how Kevin Stefanski, from, from all due appearances here, or, or all due respect, and from all appearances, I guess is what you want to say there, is, I mean, we don't know how much say he's had in these situations. You know, I mean, from everything I know, I don't think he was like, oh, wait, I want to cut Baker Mayfield and get to Sean Watson and let let me let me make my life really hard for a, a football season so everybody can question me and the organization. And then I oh, we, we we're going to have a quarterback for a certain part of the year and then have another quarterback. That's a hell of a situation to be put in. I hope they stay the course. They should. You know, there's still, I think, positives there. And again, too, I think you can even add into it. You know, I I also question sometimes how much the analytics people have and have say there in Cleveland. You know, I I wonder too at times is is he get to make the call on fourth and one, or does he have to listen to the analytics guy? That, that's, that's so. There's a lot of things to question there, whether it's like Stefanski's fault or other you know issues within the organization. But yeah, you're you're saying it right. Let's let's see. Give give him a year with Deshaun Watson. I'm going to build around that, and let's see where it goes from there. The only other one in the division that I keep even a partial eye on is Baltimore because there's been enough times in the past five years where you kind of hear maybe it's reached the end. Just 15 years, it's you know John yeah. Harbaugh would be the one who wants to move on to something else. And with all this Lamar Jackson stuff and we just can't get a deal done, you know, and it's nobody's fault, it's just time. We can't rule that out, I don't think. I think any time a guy has been with a team for 15 years or longer, you can't rule out the possibility that he's going to wake up one day after that last season ends and says it's time, like Sean Payton did last year. I, I, I hear you there. Some you know, all good things come to an end. Sometimes an, an organization and the coach just need a you know a new look, a new challenge. Uh, something fresh that way. So uh, I, I don't think that's crazy. I, I don't think it's going to happen, but, yeah, I, I hear your thought there. AFC South, the safest guy by far is Doug Peterson with the Jacksonville Jaguars who are in a position to win the division. We know there's a vacancy already in Indianapolis. Houston, I don't know what they're going to do with Lovey Smith. People think they're going to fire, but how many, how many one-and-done coaches can you have? They did David Culley. One and done. 
Now Lovey Smith, one and done. I and and they have to hire somebody to be in charge of football operations. Jack Easterby was fired during the season. Does Nick Casario stay? I think there's a lot of big picture questions that ownership needs to resolve there. And again, dysfunctional teams do dysfunctional things. I, I, there's a belief that Lovey Smith is going to be out, but who knows what they're going to do. And maybe they just keep him around for one more year because they don't know what else to do at this point. I, I, I you know, I, I don't doubt that. I, I don't. So I, you know, the Texans. I, I, I don't know what they're exactly they're doing. It's, it's tough to figure it out a little bit, and I, I don't understand exactly how things have been orchestrated there or what their final goal is. Uh, Nick Casario's done a really good job of putting together a team of like I think we've hit on this a little bit. A lot of the meat and potatoes you like of the football team. You know, they got all the B plus and B players you want that every team needs to have. It's just. Where are the A-plus players? Where, where are the guys that are going to make a difference there? And I just feel like, yeah, it's always waiting for, wait, we're waiting for next year. That's we're going to make our move. And, and I guess that's how I feel with them, too, that, yeah, that it won't be Lovey Smith and that there's something or some plan that they have, you know, in their mind that they're going to, they're going to go with this offseason. And, and, hey, that's a place where you could throw the keys to Jim Harbaugh. You got the first overall pick in the draft, and you tell him you're in charge. And I don't know how that meshes with Nick Casario. But um, yeah, there's I just been no real sense that Cal McNair has a plan. And if he does, he's keeping it close to the vest because we've heard nothing about what they're thinking about doing. But job number one, at some point, they need to replace Jack Easterby. And I think a lot of dominoes fall after that. All right, AFC West, quickly. Andy Reid isn't leaving as long as he has Patrick Mahomes. Um, Josh McDaniels isn't leaving because Mark Davis isn't going to buy him out. Next year may be a different issue, but we know those two are staying put. Denver's already looking for a coach, and Brandon Staley's made it to the playoffs. I think he's safe better for be. year number three. Yeah. So I think I think we just I think we just covered the AFC West. Yeah, I think that's safe. And you know, I, again, I, the Raiders, I, I, they they got to they should stay stay the course. Money, I know, is the situation, but you know, again, I just think it's. Uh, a, a a a formula there. You got to let it play out a little bit with the New England way, and yeah, I mean Brandon Staley, the Chargers. You know, I, I, he's done a phenomenal job hanging in there with some of their injuries, and they've played tough, and they can still be scary here in the AFC playoffs. So yeah, it's Broncos all the way there. Let's take a quick break. When we return, we'll try to do the same exercise for the four divisions of the NFC. We'll do that when this Wednesday edition of PFT Live continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? 
Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Wednesday edition of PFT Live, we continue to monitor the DeMar Hamlin situation for any developments, no news yet. If there is anything over the course of the next 20 minutes or so, we will bring it to you immediately. The big picture exercise in which we have been engaging for this second hour, where are the hot spots as the coaching carousel inevitably prepares to spin? We covered all divisions in the AFC, Chris. Let's pivot now to the NFC. We'll begin with the East simply because in my – and it's funny – they just the teams just they're programmed into my mind east north south west like the standings are fused in like we have i have the magnetic standing boards down in my office from when i was a kid they're they're in my brain that's how i think of the team so we start with the nfc east and brian dayball safe nick seriani and philly safe the only two questions there and look i uh, let's focus on washington first just because the team's for sale. I don't think it makes sense to make a change with the team's for sale. I know the team has not lived up to the expectations it was creating during the season, but Ron Rivera is one of the best things that team has going for it because he's, he's captained that ship through some very difficult waters, distractions from ownership affecting his team, and he still has found a way to win games. I just think it would be premature, especially if you're looking at a new owner, in 2023, why would you want to hire a new coach before you, before there's a new owner? Let the new owner decide what to do. I I, I don't disagree with that. Um, and I think Ron Rivera, as you explained there, has had to deal with a lot as far as that organization is concerned. He has been steady Eddie to what you're saying there. And, you know, the big thing, too, is he's, you know, to what he said earlier in this year, the quarterback thing has been an issue for them. I mean, plain and simple, and that's not necessarily his job to find the quarterback. He's not the GM. He doesn't have total power there. So but I, I think that's been you know the number one issue with their football team is just trying to find that guy that can take the mantle there. And they're not, you know, again, I don't think they need a super superstar. Hey, sure, they'd love one. They just need a guy that can play good football. Like I mean, like we saw Alex Smith a little bit before he got hurt. And we've seen Heineke do at certain points, but they just haven't had a, 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 a guy they can rely on week in, week out to be consistently good and lead their team at that position. And that's, that's the thing they need to get addressed more than anything. And, and it seems like they've tried. I mean, they've exhausted all options last offseason and tried to make things happen. So I would certainly stand pat with Ron Rivera. Mike McCarthy went from constantly looking over his shoulder at Sean Payton to absolutely safe to, I think now, let's see how the season ends. They could be the one seed. That would be a feather in his cap. They could be the five seed and lose to the Buccaneers in the wild card round. That would be a detriment. And, Chris, you know, I said this not that long ago. If, if there's another playoff loss where there is a bright line between losing the game and some sort of coaching error, 
failure to pay attention to detail, like we're going to run this quarterback draw and we didn't bother to account for the possibility that, you know, the umpire is going to get caught between the center and the quarterback and not get in position to touch the ball and reset it and we ran out of time because we didn't imagine that reality when we designed and used this play. If there's something that stands out as a failure of coaching that causes them to lose in the wild card round, that I think is a potential problem, especially if Sean Payton is closing in on coaching somewhere else. Well, I think that's the, that's really the big point. It's just, you know, it, it, it seems unfair to even talk about like the, talk about this with Mike McCarthy, you know, after, you know, last year and this year and what they've done. But yeah, I mean, one, I mean, you know, penalties, game management, it's been a little bit of an issue through his time there. Uh, the way they played in that playoff game last year, you know, you're the higher seed, you're at home, and really, I mean, they they were dominated in that game. I mean, there's a number of things we can kind of go back to and go, well, I mean, if Jimmy Garoppolo hit this guy who's wide open or didn't just throw one of the dumbest interceptions we've seen, the 49ers would have won by 20 points easily. So uh, all of that played into it. You know, and so I, I, I hear you, I guess, that if it's an ugly loss and they lost to a Buccaneers, you know, or if they were the number one seed by some stretch of the imagination and then got upset at home, like you're saying, that, that, that and the Sean Payton does express interest on taking over the football team, yeah, he's in trouble. But, gosh, I, I feel like that's the only scenario. And I don't even think them losing a playoff game should necessarily mean Mike McCarthy should get fired. I, I think he's done enough there to, to keep his job and, uh, and, and go forward here. And, and just so I'm clear, it's got to be a playoff loss where there is a bright line between yeah, I get losing you. the game yep. and some coaching screw-up, some failure to pay attention to detail, right. something, clock management, something that we know Sean Payton wouldn't do. That's the thing that could get Jerry Jones to basically speak now or forever hold his peace as it relates to getting Sean Payton if it looks like Sean Payton's going anywhere else. NFC North, there's nothing to discuss. Every coach will be back. It'd be a shock if any of those coaches are gone. We'll pivot now to the NFC South. We know Carolina's already looking for a head coach. Tampa Bay, I assume Todd Bowles will be back. I know it was kind of like they made the playoffs. There was kind of a vibe that if they don't make the playoffs, who knows what's going to happen in Tampa. But they made the playoffs. I think that's enough for Todd Bowles to get another year, even though he's likely not going to have Tom Brady. What do you say about that? Yeah, I, I would say so, too. And I think a little bit like with what you talked about with Ron Rivera, I mean, Todd Bowles got put in a, a pretty tough situation too. It wasn't the easiest, you know, one, oh wait, it's a late transition as far as you taking over the head coaching spot a little bit there, you know, two, the team, I do think, you know, got a little older in certain spots to where they need a refresh. We know, I mean, three years of a team, that's a long, that's, that's a lifetime in the NFL, and then I think when you add on the Brady situation and that may be being the biggest distraction in football and the fact that they hung in there and, and through all of that, uh, I, I would hope that they keep him and, and give him one more shot here. Yes. Yeah, Bruce Arians was supposedly doing him a favor when he tapped out as the head coach in the, what was it, middle of April? It was It was just after. It was late March, early April, yeah. just after the league meetings and uh, yeah, it was a, that was a tough one, and it's been a tough year. And to get that team to the playoffs, and look, they, the story still has chapters left in it. They could still get to the Super Bowl. I mean, 
Look, they, they play like they did against the Carolina Panthers on Sunday. They, they're going to be hanging around the playoffs a round or two uh, longer than we ever thought they were. So that helps Todd Bowles as well. The Atlanta Falcons, Chris, they're just kind of there. And I don't think that we've seen enough from the Terry Fontenot as GM, Arthur Smith as head coach, to make any real decisions. Now, I don't know that Arthur Blank doesn't get super impatient and choose to do something, but when you have salary cap mess arising from the Julio Jones. Right, the prior regime. Right. The Matt Ryan out of the blue. Yeah. And you take a $40 million cap charge for him. Like, what do you, how, how yeah, what do you, you expect? Right. Expect yeah. anything. And six and 10, probably more than you should have expected. Definitely. Last year, what were they? Seven and 10 last year? They exceeded expectations uh, last year. This year, I, I agree. And they, and they were tough in every football game. Like, it was never a game where you just went, oh, I mean, Atlanta's getting, you know, just absolutely blown out here. And so he, I, I, you stay the course with him. You know, I, I think they're doing the right things there. Uh, they, they just, like you talked about, now hopefully they have some wiggle room here to get some big players, to get, to get some sizzle, sizzle players. You know, they got some things you like that, that, that help the base of a football team. But now they need difference makers. And they got to figure out the quarterback situation themselves a little bit. You know, I don't know if Desmond Ritter's the future. I don't think he is. Uh, I think they'll look at other options, but we'll see. But I, I think you said the right things there. And I think Arthur Smith is a really damn good football coach and has been in a lot, a lot of games where they won or we look up in the fourth quarter and we go, how are they hanging in here? What, how are they doing this? And that, that's because of Arthur Smith and, and their coaching ability. There's another reality to this as well. Their yeah. final game against the Bucks and Tampa Bay planning to play its starters. Tom Brady wanting to play in the game. Tom Brady has never lost to the Falcons, which means the Falcons have never beaten Tom Brady ever, dating back to 28-3 to and even before that. If Arthur Smith and company could get that win and get to 7-10 and again, that, that makes it even stronger. That you got to give it another year. You got to give these guys a chance to run a team without one hand tied behind their back because of the the salary cap consequences of the Julio Jones and Matt Ryan contracts and their departure. So that makes sense to bring them back. New Orleans is fascinating to me because there there has been talk of Sean Payton going back. Now I don't think it's going to happen, but there's been talk. Sean, if Sean Payton's going to go back, he goes back there because that may be the only place he can get together with Tom Brady. Uh, which would mean Dennis Allen would be one and done. But, you know, they're seven and nine. They could finish eight and nine. They they play the Panthers this weekend in a game that's meaningless for both teams. But, um, you know, a lot of injuries. And and they just may, may be a quarterback away from contending. But I know you've said also in the not-too-distant past, it just feels like that roster started to disintegrate. Right. But they did pretty well they, they, under the circumstances. Yeah, they did. And they, re, you know, rebounded here the second half of the year. Uh, they did. Uh, I mean, he's he's certainly the one I look at as far as like in the NFC South a little bit to go. I, I wonder how that that situation will play out. I, I I would I would expect him to be back. I would, and I, I think again, like you're talking about, you know, there's th- some things you like about the football team. They've got some salary cap issues. They do have an aging football team as well, so they got to fix that and help them out there a little bit. 
know, the defense, I think, was a little bit underwhelming earlier in the year because we were kind of just like, wait, he's, this, was, this was supposed to be better, but they kind of they righted the ship there. Uh, I would expect Dennis Allen back, Mike. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. We'll pivot to the NFC West now. Obviously, no change in San Francisco and Seattle. I think Pete Carroll coaches that team at least until there's new ownership, and I believe the team will be sold at some point after May 1 of 2024. That doesn't mean it'll be sold on that day, but at some point after that is when the sale will happen as Jody Allen, the sister of the late Paul Allen, sells off his va- I mean vast, beyond vast. You need a a word bigger than vast for the holdings of Paul Allen, billion-dollar art collection. I mean, these things are being moved one piece at a time, and at the right time, the Seahawks will be sold. Until then, I think Pete Carroll coaches as long as he wants to stay there. I'd be surprised if he leaves. He's got the energy of of a guy who's younger than 51, and he's 71. So I, I've heard nothing to suggest there's any plan by Pete Carroll to step down. I, I think he sees it as the dawning of a new era. Yeah, I, I would agree. I've heard, I've heard nothing, no rumor to suggest that. It doesn't get – I don't get that feel at all. And they ex- exceeded expectations in a big way this year. So, yeah, I think that stays status quo. I think when we get in the NFC West, we're just talking about one team here when it all comes down to it as far as do they make a change or not. And that's the Arizona Cardinals, right, Mike? You're absolutely right. Now, look, I have learned, and I don't think I've officially reported this yet. I was, I was maybe going to do it on our Sunday night, uh, Christmas night pregame show. Uh, ho, 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 let's talk about guys who are getting fired. We decided not to do it. Cliff, remember they got that contract through 2027. Yeah. Kingsbury signed through 2027. But how much of it is really guaranteed? I'm told it's guaranteed through 2026. So that's still three, four, five, six, four years that you got to pay Cliff Kingsbury not to be the coach. And the, the Cardinals fall on the more careful with money side of the overall group of NFL franchises. So I don't know if they want to do that. And Steve Keim is on a leave of absence. Who would help Michael Bidwell pick coaches? How would they even begin to put a search together? How attractive is that job right now? you got to pay Cliff Kingsbury to go away, and you got to hire somebody else, and you don't know who the GM is going to be. Uh, I, I I think it's just too many moving parts to make a change with the Kyler Murray injury being, the to me, the tipping point that gets you to say, we just have to give this one more year and just hope that we can make it better. I, I, I think it's fair, certainly, to discuss this one. I mean, there, there's some optics and some things that don't look great there. But I think, you know, big picture, too. Hey, you know, they have been relevant, right, the last few years. They were in the playoffs last year, even though it was a crappy way to end the year and it didn't look good. And, uh, you know, you'd like more out of the offensive side, but I think like you kind of said it right with some of these surrounding circumstances and the, the guaranteed money, you know, even though if I think, oh, maybe you should, you know, change course a little bit or I don't like the way it looks, it, it feels like they're going to stay, stay with what they got there. But I, I certainly think this one is one where you could think about and a change would not shock me, or do I think it necessarily would be totally wrong? The question always is, are you going to be better if you make a change? Yeah. And if you don't have the cash or if you're not willing to spend the cash to buy out Cliff Kingsbury and hire an A-lister, you know, go after Jim Harbaugh, you want to be better. You dealt with him in the division. Bring him back. To, wouldn't that be something? Jim Harbaugh back in the NFC West 
dealing with the 49ers twice a year, dealing with his buddy Pete Carroll twice a year. I'd sign up for that. That's awesome. But, again, that's the kind of money that I don't think they're going to be able to spend. Now, the Rams are the one team we haven't mentioned. we got a couple minutes left. I just want to throw this by you, Chris, because there's a belief that Sean McVay's opportunity to smoothly jump onto the good ship Jeff Bezos came and went. And if we were to attach him to a lie detector test or, or ply him with tequila, he would admit, I wish I would have gone, right? My, my window was open to make $20 million a year to not talk about football and to not tarnish my Super Bowl win with the, the, the worst record that any Super Bowl champion has had so far. If Bezos and company say, we'll do a three-man booth, Al Michaels, Kirk Herbstreet, and Sean McVay. We'll get some couch cushion money to get Sean McVay for $20 million a year. Do you think McVay would do it now? I don't think he would. I don't. I, 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 you know, I, I still think this is a guy that's got passion for football, you know, pumping through his, his veins there. And I, <clears throat> I honestly think this type of year where – you know, they were below expectations and all that is only going to ignite the fire a little bit more, at least just with what I know of the guy. So that would be my two cents there. Nor do I think he would love a three-man booth. Um, you know, I, I don't know. You know, yeah I, I, yeah, I think he'll be back. I do. I think Sean McVay will be back as the head coach of the Rams. Good to be interesting to see. And also, there's a little shine off McVay after last year, too. I don't know that that Jeff Bezos will be scouring the couch cushions for the $20 million to try to get him. Uh, last year may have been the opportunity. He may have to win another Super Bowl before that ship comes in again. And, and another wrinkle that we will discuss on a different day, Chris, I took a look at Matthew Stafford's contract. Yeah. I took a look at the guarantees that vest in March. Right. The cap hit that they have to deal with this year, the injuries he's had. Boy, I can't help but wonder whether or not they're they're thinking there's a lot of quarterbacks out there that are available. Is now the time to make a move? Stafford said he's not going to retire. That's a topic for a different day. But they got some issues to figure out with this Rams team a year after winning the Super Bowl. I, I, I would think so. I mean, yeah, there's some holes to fill. They got some aging players, aging stars that they're giving a lot of money to. And I understand. I, I mean, yeah, we'll talk about this on a different day. I would think they're stuck with them at least for one more year. But I would think there's some concern there. We appreciate your patience. We appreciate you. We'll see you again tomorrow. See ya. At Delta, we know Mike and HC prefers reality TV to reality. So we provide more than 1,000 hours of in-flight entertainment. On the next flight, 8C is Mandy, a foodie. So we offer all types of food options. Because at Delta, everyone flies their own way. Delta, keep climbing. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.